Hello and welcome everybody to Paranormal Analytical. I'm your host, Eddie Hill, along with my other host, Rick Warren and James Toops. How are you gentlemen doing? I'm doing okay, Eddie. How are you tonight? Good morning. Doing good. Morning. Morning? What part of Texas are you from there, James? <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand. I'm just uh, checking in from my buddy uh, Darren. You know, oh, here, so that's what it is. Evening ladies from Gordon. Yep. We got Gordon Park Gordon, in the I house. Hope those, uh, period, uh, yep. I hope those uh, period cramps, uh, Gordon, I hope they went away, man, and uh, everything came out okay. And, um, you know, good luck with the uh, adedictomy. Um I know you're paying, man. Deborah, how you doing, baby? <laughs> and we got Deborah Fawcett just jumped in. There's Deborah. <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate everybody being in over here. Uh, the other night, if you missed it, Gordon did a great uh, monologue on uh, political analytical on the Constitution. If you all get a chance, you Absolutely. really need to uh, have a listen to that and pass it around to friends and family. It was uh, an outstanding piece of work that he did. On he that. absolutely did. He he nailed that shit, man. Gordon was on top of that, man. He did a great job. Proud of my boy. He did good. Well, I have to say, we're going to be Gordon. talking tonight about childhood hauntings. You know, everybody, I think, had some sort of uh, an experience as a child when, uh, you know, whether it was a ghost, a shadow person, something like that taking place. And tonight, we're going to be talking about that. And uh, I've found a neat little picture that i want to put up here to get us in the mood and uh there it is mm -mm. and uh that mm -mm. should uh help us man, get this into gordon's the picture what, what hey gordon don't get us in the mood man what's going on <laughs> gordon you think that's his picture <laughs> really well yeah uh, yeah when he goes in the ice box and he sees there ain't no ham sandwich left, he kind of freaks out. Um, I can tell you, our kids were like deadly afraid of that a few years ago. And when they showed me what it was, I actually almost pooped my pants. So Eddie, it's fucked up. There you was put that. Gordon's name on this shit. <laughs> what movie was that from? You just put you Eddie. You just put Gordon's name on that. Did I? Uh, what is that? I don't think it's a movie. It's, no, it is. Um, no, mm -mm, I don't think so. Oh, it was one of those TikTok things. It, or... It's a TikTok yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a movie. Yeah. So there, there we go. Gordon's with us. No. Yeah. It's one of those TikTok things. And uh, it, was, it was a deal to scare the kids, and uh, wherever it originated, um, supposedly if. If you told your parents about if that Momo person um, contacted you and you told your parents about it, it would come to get you and kill your parents and things like that. It, Some kind it of was like Bloody Mary bullshit. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Childhood wow. ghosts. So there's a lot of cool stuff. I remember Bloody Mary when I was a young kid and I remember being scared to death to do it, but I did do it. Mm -hmm. I did the Bloody Mary thing in yeah. front of the mirror and I saw myself with blood like streaming down out of my eyes when I, uh, you know, opened up my eyes after I had them closed so tight. And, you know, I think a lot of that just has to do with how tight I had them closed and I started seeing shit. But, I mean, it was pretty cool. Well, um, 
you know, I got a story about that, uh, Eddie, and uh, Rick probably can relate to this if I know Rick like I think I do. Um, so hang on, let me make sure my kids ain't around nowhere. So um, back in the day, man, like years and years ago, I used to trip a lot like on acid mescaline, you know, shit like that. And, um, you know, if you look at yourself in the mirror when you do this kind of stuff, um, <laughs> your face will start to peel apart and you see this evil shit. Rick knows exactly what I'm talking about right now. You'll see your face start to fall apart and uh, this evil shit comes out of you. And it's a really, really scary thing. And like the image in the mirror starts smiling back at you and then all of a sudden your face will start to peel off. It's a really, really weird thing. And that's on a whole different level. So I was like always, yeah, I was always kind of like, man, what the fuck? You know, what is this? You know, and, uh, you know, it turns out that, hey, Deborah, it turns out that, um, you know, the inner, the inner demon in you comes out when you do that. And uh, you see yourself on a different uh, wavelength and on a different level. And it's, it's a really, really weird thing. So uh, FYI. Uh, hey, Sonia, um, if you ever trip on acid or anything else, Sonia? leave the mirrors alone. Stay away from that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Rick, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And maybe I, you can help me out to understand how that works. I went and <clears throat> saw The Exorcist. I won a $50 bet on two hits of Microdot, Blue Microdot. Oh, damn. And if, and if you haven't seen the exorcist you're missing out especially i mean i made it through the movie but i tell you what i was tripping my ass off and uh got home and ran down to the basement and 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 covered my head and uh oh yeah yeah the part about the mirror and everything is very true because you will see some shit that will just blow you away and um thank god those days are over i tell you yeah no shit man and i'll tell you it's like my whole face just went brown like a dead look face you know and then um like started flaking and peeling off and uh like my image was smiling back at me was that scared the shit out of me and you know i was but i kept with it i stayed with it and i was like dude i gotta see where this shit goes and it was just so evil. It was an evil, evil okay. thing. Well, well, and, um, well let, let's, uh, or what? Hey guys, let's get back up on topic real quick on childhood. <laughs> yeah. No, I was ghost I was stories. Really, We're not really talking about, trip. you know, the early seventies acid. Yeah. Trips. Hey, Eddie. <laughs> All right. Um, and, and I also want to, to say hello but to I Danielle. I think there's something to it. Hey, I, I also want to say hello to Danielle who's sitting next to you because you didn't introduce her to anybody for same yes hi danielle well you know okay so this is this is my better half you know i'm i'm always the best looking half but she's the uh the better half of me i'm 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 the i'm the pretty one but anyway and she's got her headphones on it doesn't pay for me to do this because you can hear me (laughs) but uh uh anyway so this is the better half danielle um, she will be uh, taking my my lead in the um, 
the uh, political podcast show coming up here tomorrow night. No, no, not uh, tomorrow. You ready? No, it's it's no, week no, after. Weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, 21st. next weekend. Next yeah. weekend. So you ready for this next weekend? Or what? Yeah. 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 Got your shit together? Not quite yet, but okay. there's still a lot of shit that can happen in uh, one week. So yeah. we'll see. She is a pretty one. Yeah, I know. Deborah, you, you got to rub it in. So, um, so so let's talk about some childhood ghost stories, but, uh, fellas. Yeah, this is Danielle. So hi, Danielle. Hey, everybody. And uh, thanks for being here. And uh, she'll be here next weekend on the uh, the uh, uh, political podcast. So it should be interesting. I'll be able to, for once, to be able to walk outside and uh, hang out and just watch the show. So oh, yeah, nice. I'm definitely, I, I'll tell you what, I'm definitely um, going to grab back some. Back to the topic, uh, man. Back to the topic, Eddie. Yeah, I'm definitely going to grab some Twisted Tea and, uh, sit outside and and have a listen to that i think it's going to be awesome so we're going to start off with rick so rick childhood ghost stories any experiences on your end yes i um i have something here that that just when you brought the topic up and everything it took me back to way back you know when i was little and everything and um there are things that uh, in the Native American world that they would tell the children. And um, the things about one was called the Wendigo. You were never to go into the forest. You were never to run anywhere outside by yourself. Always stay with two or three people. But the Wendigo was one of the most horrific um, anomalies, if you want to call it that. But it was a um, very very um, horrid looking creature and it was used and it's still prevalent even in today's society, even on way back up in the Canadian and around the great lakes. That's where it originated. And there was other stories about things that go bump in the dark and everything else like that. As far as when we were kids, but I remember that the stories of the Wendigo uh, being passed on and, and handed down through generation and uh, it, there's a lot of validity to what they believe, uh, not only on uh, the Blackfoot or the um, Potawatomi or any kind of reservation there is, but the Navajo, they have other um, entities that they tell the children, do not go near this place or stay away from whatever it might be. And, and, and it's for their own good, because a lot of times these people, especially when you have the Navajo talking about the skinwalkers, and everything that happened on that reservation and up on a Ute reservation. Um, there was a lot of validity from coming from tribe members that have dealt with these things and seen these type of uh, apparitions, as you want to call them. And um, it's good. It's good that, they, that we know and that we see and, and admonish our children and everybody to stay away from these type of things. Now, now Rick, do you think there is a uh, validity to uh, these ghosts or shadow people or whatever that these children see. I mean, and, and if you do, I mean, what's your reasoning behind it? I do Eddie, because children are innocent to begin with. They are born into this world, not knowing what we know, not seeing what we have seen, not participating in what we've done. They're born innocent. And that innocence, uh, it goes right along with the topic I was writing about tonight on another paper I was doing on spirituality. That innocent is something that is bargained basically for. 
in the spirit world. And these children, when we sit there and, and listen to them, if a child tells you that they are seeing ghosts or that they're seeing shadow people, listen to them. Because there's no reason for them to lie. There's no reason for them to bring a story like that up with unless they have seen actual proof and actual. Um, I've had cases, two or three cases, Eddie, where these kids were scared to, to even be in their own homes, scared to even lay down at night because they were seeing apparitions and seeing uh, shadow people and things like that. Luckily, through a lot of help, not only from the clergy, but from the community and everything, these cases were, were dealt with and they were able to go on with their lives. But like a lot of things that are, are spelled out in the paranormal, Eddie, when they first happen, you don't want to believe them. Oh, come on. He's just a kid. Come on. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's only six or seven or eight years old. Yes, they do. They know what they see. They know what they feel. And when they feel fear, it is a from a very, very, um, it's from a place that they've never had to go before because they don't know what fear is until something actually scares them. And some of these apparitions and entities that come into the spirit world and everything can actually, I mean, just really, really scare kids. Yeah, I agree. Danielle, scoot closer to the mic. Need Danielle to scoot closer to the mic. Come back. Oh, oh yes. can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, there we go. I want to get something from a little girl's perspective of ghosts and hauntings. Have you had any experiences as a little girl growing up? I actually did. Um, and it started when I was very, very young. Something that I, I don't remember, but my mom talks about it quite a bit. My mom's dad died 10 days after my first birthday. And before they got the call from the hospital, um, my mom said that I was waving and saying, bye-bye, Papa, I love you. Um so that was my first experience with that um as a kid i was scared to sleep in my room in fact i would not sleep in my room at all i slept in the living room um until i started high school i would not sleep in my room at all not not by myself in your grandma's house at my my house do you remember any of that Danielle? i sleep in my room well your grandma's house oh what and what's that do you remember any of that taking place um i do remember not sleeping in my room uh as far as the reason why um i used to when i did sleep in my room as a younger kid i'd wake up and see something over me and after seeing it a few times I was done I was like nope because it wouldn't happen when I was in the living room um only in my room and also when I would go to my grandpa's house on my dad's side his second one died I was really young maybe three or or so and I don't remember what she looks like. I had never seen pictures of her. And I always used to see her standing at the end of the hallway and she was stooped down with her arms open saying, come see me, a hug. Yeah. And 
I never told anybody about it. And um, I ended up staying there when I got a little bit older. 21, I, I went and stayed at my grandpa's house um, probably for about six months or so. And that's when I met James. Um, and he came over one night and he saw her at the end of the hallway too, but he saw a different version of her. I but done. He, w- he never came back after that. He'd come and pick me up and we'd go and do whatever, but he would not come inside. But one day, all of my cousins were there visiting with us and my parents were there and we started talking about it and I told him about it. <clears throat> and I said, I never said anything before because I didn't want y'all to think I was crazy. And my cousins admitted that they used to see it too. Hmm. So then that made me feel a little bit better. I didn't feel crazy anymore because for a long time, I really did think that I was not all, you know, that something wasn't right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, So James, so what, what's your perspective of what you've seen her there? You know, she was staying there. Yeah. Come on. I said, what's your perspective of what you saw? And and did you, have you had your own childhood hauntings? So, um, I'll let me. I'll start off with um, with with the uh, her uh, grandparents' house. Um, so I went there one time, um, hang out, shit like that, and um, I was walking from I don't I guess the living room through the kitchen, and when you look down, there's a hallway. And where she was staying was the back hallway, right in the back room, all the way in the back to the left. So when I looked down there, uh, what I saw was an old lady uh, kneel down, you know, at the back of the hallway. And I was like, I mean, dude, full apparition, plain as day. Uh, I looked down there and I was like, uh, yeah, I got to go. And I refused <laughs> to go back there again um, uh, as a kid. So, yeah. It was creepy, man. It was an old lady just kneeled down. I seen it, and I didn't even know what the history of the house was. I saw that shit, and I was like, I'm out of here. And who no, do you think this negative. old lady was? So she's like, hey, you want to come hang out? And I'm like, no. <laughs> you can come hang out at my house. <laughs> like negative, Ghost Rider. I'm not going down there. So, But as a kid, so, um, you know, I grew up in South Louisiana, like in Homa. Louisiana and um you know every everything around um my parents house was plantation uh or used to be you know back in the day it was it was uh sugarcane uh plantations and there was tons of slaves down there and you know throughout the history it was crazy and um you know so you know growing up down there it was like there was so much history and so much like you know what's going on and and uh what happened here and you know you see these things and these monuments and these things and you're like man i wonder what this was about but it's really hard to find um the uh history on this place you know down where i'm from it's home of louisiana if anybody wants to check it out 70363 is the zip code home of louisiana so i grew up on a place called Presque Isle. Um, it's it's like an island but um it, it's hard to explain so it's more like a peninsula it's a peninsula yeah so but either way so across this bayou on this side there's like you know sugarcane across the bayou on the other side of sugarcane um my mom and dad's house was built on top of a farm 
And, uh, you know, so living up there and, and, you know, growing up in that house, uh, sometimes you would hear things in the house that were like baby cries. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't much, you would hear like a baby cry. Like, so it's a two story house, uh, that I grew up in. And, um, you know, I was on the second floor and I would hear babies cry at the bottom of the stairs. It was really, really freaking weird. So like you open up the door, look down and you know, there's not a, not supposed to be a baby there, but you look down anyway and you're like, okay, well, uh, there ain't a fucking baby right there. I don't know what I'm hearing. So you go I've, back to bed and you hear a baby cry in the house. It's really I've, strange. I've actually heard that. Um, sleeping there within the last couple of years when we go back down to Louisiana to visit there's it's, been a few times that I've heard it and I've I've asked her you know hey was Claire crying last night and no no Claire Claire was good she slept Claire's my daughter okay and uh you know but it, this is like a baby crying a freaking one month old baby and uh you know you hear this like this just back in the background go like you know like that and you just kind of like wake up and then you hear it again and it's like and then you go out and look in the hallway and just be like what the hell was that and then everything stops it's a really creepy place man um but what's what's, the street from my house real quick what's the what's um, the backstory down there what's the backstory of that baby do you know go say again what's the backstory of that baby Dude, I can't find it. I've looked, I've looked and looked and I've researched and done all kinds of stuff, man. I can't find it. Um, the only thing I found is that my mom and dad's house is built on top of a farm. And the further down the street you go, there's uh, slave quarters and uh, master's quarters. And in the very back of the street uh, is like the actual, you know, owner's quarters. But the park, there's a park halfway down the street and there's graves in the park. And there's a little girl that lives in the park. Oh, I say she lives, but there's a little girl that haunts the park. Um, there's there's a, a grave that's notorious around, you know, that area. It's Isaac Johnson, World War II Tech Four. is Isaac Johnson. That's the guy that's buried in that park. And there's several graves. So what they had was a, was a graveyard, and then they put a bunch of dirt on top of it you know, and they made a park out of it. And uh, he was the only grave that was discovered, but there's a little girl that haunts that park. And I know because I had a friend of mine that lived right next door to the park. So the park's here, his house is here, right next door. We were never allowed to sleep at his house. We can go there during the day, but we were never allowed to sleep at his house because of so many things, Gilbert. Mm -hmm. There were so many things that went on inside of that house that the parents, you know, they were just like, no, we, we don't want to bring this out, you know, and this and that. So they lived in this house for like two years and then they moved from that house and they moved like 15 houses up the street. They sold that house and stayed on the street and moved like 15 houses up. And I was very, very close with the parents, uh, Patrice and uh, Mr. Jim. And uh, they told they told me straight up. I was like, why, what are y'all moving for? They're like, we can't take this shit anymore. There's too much going on in this park. We can't take it. We're moving up the street. I'm like, okay, cool. After they moved, I was allowed to sleep at their house. And this guy was my best friend, you know, growing up. His name is Gilbert Brune. And um, best friend growing up. 
never ever slept at that old house next to the park, but was allowed to, you know, up the street. And it was it was insane, man. It was, well, really, it was really weird. Here's the thing that you have to remember about plantations. Okay, you had these people working in the fields and doing different things. A woman could have been pregnant and given birth in the field. And hey, you don't know. I mean, that's the thing. We don't know what happened back in those days. Wow, that's you crazy. Know. Never know the history. So um, there is another thing that I remember, too. Um, when I was in high school, some of my friends were friends with the son of the owner of Oak Alley Plantation, which oh. is one of the really big plantation homes yeah, where we're from. Yeah. And so we used to go hang out over there on the weekends, and they – really wouldn't let us do tours of the house at at night but if you walk around the grounds you're bound to see something if you Absolutely. walk and look at the windows like the third floor windows of the house you'll see something passing the windows and you know nobody's in the house because the house is not lit up it's dark as hell and uh that place is just as bad as Myrtle's Grove, like um I think O'Galley is it's not Myrtle's Grove, it's just Myrtle's Plantation. No, Myrtle, but, yeah, Myrtle's but yeah, I think just, um O'Galley is probably even worse than the Myrtles. Now that's, that's yeah, that's another thing too. It, um the Myrtle's plantation in St. Francisville, my mom and dad went there mm, sometime during the summer, I believe. And my mom there's this one mirror in one of the hallways that Chloe, which was the caretaker slave, yeah. she'll show up in the pictures if you take pictures in the mirror. And sure enough, my mom caught Chloe, her picture. Yeah, I, I, I heard. It's a messed up place, man. Yeah, I've yeah, heard of history, this. a lot of shit that goes in. Uh, it's the Myrtle's Plantation in uh, St. Paco. Yeah, I've heard the stories about Chloe and how she had her ear cut off and all that kind of crazy stuff. It was great. Um, good stories and, and, a, and a great place to investigate if you have a yeah. chance. Deborah says she's been at the Myrtles about a dozen times. She loves it. So what we're going to do is we're going to take our halftime break real quick. Mm -hmm. And when we come back, we're going to start up with uh, Rick and maybe some of his childhood haunts that he may remember. Yeah. I'll give him a chance to remember. And uh, after that, we're going to go into some of the ones that I've had as well. So uh, everybody kick back. We're going to be right back live again, so look for us. Well, I guess that was it. Didn't give us a whole lot of music no. on that one. Huh? I said they didn't give us a whole lot of music on that one. <laughs> that was kind of a short break. I'm waiting for it to keep going, and I'm like, okay. And that was the end of it. And it, and it just stopped, didn't it? Yeah, it did. But, I mean, it was good music. <laughs> I liked it. And uh, mm -hmm. let's see. Deborah says on uh, she's been talking. She said she hadn't been there in years. Or I'm sorry, Danielle said she hadn't been there in years. And Deborah said it's very commercialized now and probably won't go back unless they get, I get an opportunity during the week when no one is there. Yeah, that's no kidding. And uh, Danielle is on her way. Hey, Danielle, I just want to let you yeah, know yeah. that was not our fault. That music abruptly ended, and we could not continue. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, we're going to...
take off with Rick and Rick's childhood ghost stories. Go ahead, Rick. Well, let's start out with, I know a lot of us grew up in church, okay? I was four and five years old when I was taken into the church. My twin brother and I um, were actually adopted off the reservation. And we were taken directly into the Pentecostal church. I don't know how many have ever experienced a church like this, but um, they believe on the laying of hands. They believe in speaking in tongues. They believe in, uh, well, it's, it's, it's a holy roller church. And here you have two little Indian boys being brought from the reservation into that church. Well, the first thing they wanted to do was pray the Indian out of us. And so one Sunday morning, uh, right towards the end of the church and everything, they sat there and brought us forward to the front of the church. And there was 10 to 15 people yelling, screaming, praying, spitting, jumping, speaking in tongues over us that we might be ridded of the Indian in us, and that we might be able to go ahead and become Christianized. I want to tell you guys, that is one of the most scariest things you'll ever face in your life when you're that age. And I remember after that uh, happened, Eddie, I really had a lot of nightmares because that opened up almost um, that opened up almost like a portal, it seemed, in my imagination. And I started seeing a lot of things in my childhood, dreams of uh, different things that uh, was coming through. And actually, that's what actually propelled me into the paranormal, because I knew there was something more than just church. I knew there was something out there that I wanted to discover because I didn't want to be afraid anymore. I wanted to confront it. I wanted to sit there and have it be something that I understood or at least could say that I tried. I mean, this was beyond anything like any childhood uh, person that or a man or, man or woman when they were kids, this was beyond the boogeyman because we were all told about the boogeyman, you know. We were all told uh, it, it, it's beyond anything that, that lived in the closet or anything that was underneath your bed or any scratching at the window or anything else like that. When, when uh, the thunderstorms come at night, it was more than that because I knew it was something spiritual. So I, I had an upbringing in that church and with spirituality that basically, like I said, propelled me into the paranormal at a very young age. I didn't understand what exactly was going on, but I wanted to. And, I, and it really, really took me, well, here I am today. How many years later? And there's still questions, Eddie. And I still, I, I like those people that sit there that can talk to kids about what they're seeing. Because there are things out there that they see. And I like the people that sit there and take the time and understand what children and what adolescents are going through as far as spirituality and or seeing ghosts or spirits or entities, because they're just as real to them as they are to us, probably much more so because they have a way to influence their innocent minds. And that's what it takes sometimes, because when we take an innocent mind and warp it, to what some maybe a religious belief might be, 
or what some other people might think you need to believe, then that's where the danger crosses the line, Eddie and, and James, is the fact that kids, when we have a chance to sit there and be what they want us to be to them, we need to understand that they will, and they do see these things, just like Danielle and everybody else that we've talked about tonight. Those are things that are, are, are uh, stacked in the back of our minds. Those are the things and the memories that we can't or even want to let go of sometimes because they're just there. You know, Rick, that that brings well, up a lot Rick, of. Uh, I'm glad you said that, uh, because you know when kids are, you know, ki- kids are when kids are born and they're coming up, it seems like kids and dogs, uh, dogs maybe even cats. I don't know, but I, I don't like cats. But you know, so I've always had dogs. I think kids and dogs uh, see a lot of things that we don't see, and um, I think kids through uh, conditioning, uh, social conditioning. And things like that they lose that ability um and i think kids can see a lot of things man and uh you know as time goes on they lose that ability it's not that they lose it it's just that they're conditioned out of it uh but dogs are so simple you know dogs will look up at, at a ceiling and and just kind of like you know freak out at stuff or they'll look off into a closet or whatever and they'll freak out and see things and you know it's it's kind of it's Man, it's really strange. Um, you know, kids can see things. And, you know, my boy, my son, one time he told me, um, you know, he's been on the show before. Uh, he told me one time he was like, Dad, um, you know, we had people at the house and they were fixing to leave. It was late uh, one night. And um, he's like, Dad, um, you know, they're going to get in a wreck or, you know, something about a ditch and cars being on the side of the road, this and that. And sure enough, um, you know, I told them, I'm like, Hey, y'all don't need to leave. Y'all need to just stay here tonight, you know, and this and that. Well, they insisted on leaving and they did. And then like half an hour later, they called me and said, Hey, um, so you wouldn't lying. Uh, your kid said that we will be in a ditch. Well, there's people in ditches up here and there's a big pile up, uh, you know, down the road. And I was like, I was freaking out. I was like, Holy shit, man. My kid knew this. He called it. And they saw it, and it kind of freaked me out. I'm glad you said that, Rick, about the kids. And, uh, you know, I think they see a lot of things, but they're conditioned out of it through social uh, interaction. And uh, I think they're deprogrammed. Um, and it's just, it's a weird thing. It, it's, a, it's a really weird thing, man. And uh, I think kids see a lot of things. Kids and dogs, animals, simple, simple minds, simple minds like kids. When kids are born, they're simple-minded, just like dogs, you know, and their mind is wide open. And uh, I think a lot of these weird things and um, it's just, to me, it's just so, it's so bizarre, man. You know, they can see this stuff and then they grow out of it or they're conditioned out of it, you know? I I don't know that so much you're conditioned out of it. I just think life experiences and I, I think I've said this before, being on the show, a lot of the, the unorganic things that we eat kind of cloud up our mind and block our penile gland and stop us from being able to see things like we could as as kids because as kids if you think about it we don't have as much of the chemicals in our bodies and like rick said too a lot of the innocence you know as we grow up and as we have life experiences our innocence goes away 
Well, just just for the record, my penal gland is fine. My pineal <laughs> gland may be closed off to the, uh, you know. You say things your way, and I'll say things well, mine. You know. Tomato, tomato, my love. Penal, pineal. Okay. Anyway, we'll go with that. So what that was was her. She she was she was subliminally explaining to us that your penal gland has issues, and uh, we'll take that, Danielle, and uh, sure. we understand. Thank you. My penal gland and, is uh, fine. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, it's, gland, it's pretty gland. cool. But listen, here's the thing. I you know I think everybody's correct in this matter. I think you know, through life experiences and through chemicals and everything else that we put into our bodies. I think a little bit of everything, including being told that these things are not real, all take a toll on your mm-hmm. ability to uh, see things or to believe in them for that matter. I, and I think the the reason you see them more as kid is, kids is because no one's told you that they don't exist yet. Mm-hmm. And I think the yeah. more it's implanted that into is- your head the more you may see something and then just look away or pay it no mind because it it's it's not really there you know it was a glimpse it was a just a glimpse of a shadow figure it could have been anything but uh i can tell you definitely as a child i've had many experiences and as a lot of you know my uh grandmother she was a curandera uh and uh she she had a lot of crazy stuff at her house. I mean, lots of crazy stuff. And I dealt with shadow people at a very early age, probably around five years old, six years old, somewhere around there. And uh, every night I had this shadow figure that would come into the room and it was darker than dark, blacker than black. It would come to the door. And even though it was dark in the room, you could see this thing. No light would get through it, nothing. It was just pitch black and it would stand at the feet of my bed and it would feel like I would sit up but I really wasn't I was still laying down and it felt like I would leave with this thing like my spirit would actually sit up out of myself and leave with the shadow figure and that happened many nights in a row I don't have any memory or recollection where we went, but I do feel that whatever that was, whether it was my soul, my spirit, whatever you want to call it, left my body and went with this thing. One night, so I've um, had, I had pretty much all I was going to take of it, and I waited and waited for it, and it did come to the door, and right when I felt like I was sitting up out of myself, I sprang from the bed, ran across the bed straight toward it, and I was determined that I was not going to back down, and I was in fight mode. Now you get fight or flight, I was in fight mode, even though I was just a little kid, and I was determined this thing was going to get it, and it went out the door, I went out the door after it, I'm standing in the middle of a dark living room that had extremely high ceilings and I'm looking around for this thing and it's nowhere to be seen. And as I'm wandering the house, I end up at my grandmother's bedroom and I knocked on the door and she let me come in and she had really long gray hair and she was brushing it. And she asked me in Spanish, she goes, what's the matter? And I told her that there was this black thing 
that came into the room and it's been coming into the room and I was chasing it, looking for it. And she got this concerned look on her face and she told me, I'll take care of it, go back to bed. And at the time, I didn't know what all this meant. I didn't even know what I was chasing. I just knew that whatever it was didn't belong. And uh, I went to bed, never saw it again. And my grandmother passed long before I really got into it. I wish I, I wish she was still here. I have a ton of questions I would have loved to have asked her. But uh, that was only one experience, and that was with the shadow person. Had another one when I was about eight years old. I was sitting in the kitchen, or actually the dining room, and my mom, my grandfather, my grandmother, my uncle, and my dad were all sitting in there, and they were talking. And there was a door leading out to the washroom. There was two steps, cement steps that you go down to get into the washroom, and the floor was all dirt. And she had a big sink with one of those big washboards and where she would do laundry and things like that. And uh, there was a light in there, but it was one bulb with a little string that you pulled. And a window that was probably about 12 by 12, thinking back on it. And while I was sitting in the chair, just minding my own business, I was bored. I was looking up and I was looking at the window. And into that window from the bottom coming up, a baby's face showed up, smiling laughing like probably maybe a year maybe year and a half old and it was smiling and just looking and i was looking at this thing going what the hell and i was like mom dad and i'm pointing and they jumped my ass and they told me don't interrupt the adults we're talking you wait your turn i was like but and i'm and i'm trying to point point. a field goal pointed that kid (laughs) well I, this was right there in the window, you know, on the other side of the window in the washroom. And so I, I shut my mouth and I'm sitting there looking, going, okay, I'm going to have to solve this myself. And as I'm looking, up it comes again because it went back down. So now it came back up. This time I didn't say anything. I just jumped up, ran for the door, slammed it open as quick as I could, and there was nothing. Went down the steps, turned on the light, nothing. Nowhere. And at that time, my grandmother said, what are you doing? And I told her, I was like, I'm telling you, there was a baby that was looking up through this window. And she says, a baby? And I was like, a baby. It's like somebody picked it up and was holding it so it could peek through the window. And she told me, she goes, that's impossible. I was like, it's not impossible. I was like, it was there. And I got really pissed off because nobody believed me. And to this day, I stand by the fact that there was a baby there. And uh, it was it was crazy times, crazy thing. Um, I was back at our house over in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. My dad was in the military, and we were at MacDill Air Force Base. And I was in my room, and I just went to bed, barely laid down, shut off the lights. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and standing at the feet of my bed, was this blonde girl in it like in a nightgown and it was like somebody had a light like she was the only thing lit up in the room and it was like she had a a nightgown and she had long blonde hair 
but she had war paint like this going on her eyes and I thought what the heck and she was just standing at the feet of my bed staring at me I could not move I was stiff I was scared to death and all I could do was shut my eyes and so I shut my eyes and I opened them back up again and she was gone freaked Mm -hmm. me smooth out and to this day I don't know what that was or even why it was even there wow you know what Eddie uh, you brought up something there while you were talking and everything, and I think this is something that uh, that needs to be brought up and talked about more, is the fact that when you said there was something there and you wanted to bring the attention to what you were going through and everything, there were some people that sat there and said, no, you know, act. you let the adults talk or whatever. And, and that's a thing that I've seen in a lot of instances and cases that I've worked before. And I'm sure you have too, that people are scared to talk about these things because they don't want to be, well, they don't want to be uh, not believed, you know, and kids are even more so because uh, we don't, we don't listen to kids sometimes. And as kids in our imaginations go on and everything, sometimes that fear that they have as far as kids and sometimes that fear that we have as adults because we don't want to be looked at as being, oh, wow, you know. And right. uh, I think we need to start listening to people more and more um, as far as these stories are concerned because it is what shapes and makes us into what we are sometimes as far as our belief system because if somebody believes in you you have a lot more confidence in going forward but if they don't believe in you then you kind of shy away and you sit there and become almost introverted because somebody made fun of you or somebody said something about what you said because i know i was the same way you know I, I told my story sometimes of what I saw and what happened to me. And people were like, ha, ha, you know, come on, you're just a kid. What do you know? Right. And that stuck with me. There's a lot I, of, I didn't want to, I didn't happens. want to be that one that was made fun of. You there, know? there are a lot of scary stories it, it happens. That, that takes place um, with children that adults do not let come out. Kids are afraid a lot of times to explain to their parents or an adult what's taking place, what's happening. And a lot of times they just suck it on in and they keep it. And it's not till much later where they may share that story with mm-hmm. somebody. I remember back in the beginning when we first started investigating yeah. the hauntings, you know, people would come out and say, wow, you know, um, finally there's somebody I can tell my story to. Finally, I can tell somebody exactly. who will believe me. And mm-hmm. and I would ask them, why wouldn't they believe you? Right. And they would, if I told this story at any point in time in my life prior to this, nobody would believe me. And it's crazy because now, I mean, most people talk freely about the paranormal, hauntings, UFOs, cryptids. Before, mm-hmm. it was a very taboo type of topic that not very many people would discuss. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they got looked down upon. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, just real quick, you know, um, my grandma and grandpa's house in Bayou Black, Louisiana, uh, they lived on a big stretch of land. And um, my grandpa used to travel the world 
And, um, you know, the first night I stayed over there, he had this Indian, uh, not an Indian, I'm sorry, he had an African statue. Uh, it was probably about, I don't know, man, like two foot tall, three foot tall, something like that. It was an, it was an African lady with his head thing, you know, it was a wooden carved wooden thing, you know, and like she had a set of boobs on her and everything else, but it stopped there. Right. And, um, he told me it was from Africa and, um, you know, the, the first night I stayed over there, like maybe 12, one o'clock in the morning, I woke up and this thing was in the same room as me. And dude, I started throwing up. I was going to convulsions. I had to leave at wow. like in the middle of the night. I had to leave. That's and, crazy. You know, from there, um, my brother and my cousin Stacy, we we all had this weird sense of this thing, this African statue. Uh, but it was like this, you know, man, it was like a wooden carved statue. And uh, my grandparents have passed on since then. And God knows where that thing ended up, but thank God it ain't at my house. But, um, you know, we, we all had this really weird thing about this statue and, uh, we wouldn't sleep there. And, um, you know, past that point, it was really, really a weird place. And, uh, the property has been sold since then, but I want to put this out here. Um, so if everybody on the chat can go to Google maps, uh, go to Google and get on maps and look at Laurel Valley uh, in, what is that, Raceland? Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Look at Laurel Valley Plantation in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And there's still, to this day, several slave quarters are still standing. And this is a great place to interview or, or to investigate. Uh, you can go to Laurel Valley, and just like it's spelled, Thibodeau, right there. Get on Google Maps, check it out, Laurel L-A-U-R-A-L. L-A-U-R-E-L. E-L. Laurel Valley. And you can go down the road on Google Maps, like get the street view, and you can see slave quarters. And I've been there. I've been there, man. And it's really freaking crazy. Like in the middle of the night, it's a public It's a public road. Yeah, that right there. Yeah, read that. Punch that into Google Maps, and it's where we're from, off of Highway 308 and LA1. And you can go down there and look around. And, dude, I've caught a lot of badass pictures down there, like some really cool shit. And Deborah, yeah, totally down, uh, totally down. It's it's an abandoned – so there's, like, slave quarter, slave quarter, slave quarter. Like, it's three deep. You know, the road goes like this. It's, it's freaking awesome. And uh, they're well-preserved, well-kept. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, it's a lot of cool shit down there. But, uh, man, there's so many stories. I, I wish we can all get together, everybody here on the show and everybody in the chat, and just take a trip down Louisiana because we could show you all some really cool shit. Mm-hmm. Man, there's, like, so many things down there. So, Eddie, you mentioned that at your grandma's house as a kid when you would see the shadow man, that it was like you were sitting up and, like, your spirit was leaving your body. Could you actually see yourself laying in bed? No, and, and what I mean by yeah, that, you had I, I an would, I wasn't like that before, like a complete out of body experience. No, I, I wasn't sitting up. I was laying down, and it felt like I would sit up out of myself. I wouldn't see anything, nor would I see myself mm. leave. But it was an overwhelming feeling, almost okay. you know, like I sat up mm-hmm. and left with this thing. 
Now, I know uh, Norma said that, you know, your spirit leaves your body after you pass, but not while you're still alive. And and that's a good possibility. Well, something was getting up and going or leaving that was in me. And I could only assume that it was my own spirit or whatever the case may be, because, I mean, that that's the only thing I could think of, because it would almost lift me completely up out of bed. In other words, it would almost lift me forward into a sitting mm-hmm. position like it was pulling something out of me and then leaving and that was the sensation that i had that's awesome uh let me do a comparison here Man. what eddie and danielle was saying because uh my first sweat lodge and if you've ever been to a sweat lodge or anybody in the chat's ever been to a sweat lodge you might be able to confirm this but this is our belief as far as what we do in the sweat lodges and everything. It's, it's almost exactly like Eddie was talking about. Your spirit leaves your body. That's when we sit there and we, we meet the spirit guides. That's when we sit there and take our vision quests and everything else like that. Preparatory to going into the sweat lodge, we allow ourselves to sit there and become spiritual so to speak in the essence of we don't really talk that much amongst each other because it is something that we want to experience and you know when you walk into the sweat lodge we call it entering mother earth because you walk into the womb of mother earth with the heat and the sweat lodge itself and during that experience in the sweat lodge you will leave your body just like eddie was talking about Wow, that's amazing. That's crazy, well, man. Just we, like an ayahuasca trip. We are, yeah. we are completely out of time, folks. So let's go ahead and leave some closing comments. Rick? Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate tonight. I really enjoyed hearing the stories and talking about and everybody in the uh, chat room. Lisa, I understand exactly what you're talking about as far as being uh, And it's important. It is important that we as parents, we as grandparents, have that ability to talk to our kids, have that ability to understand their concern and what they see and what their experiences are and what they want to talk about. Because if we turn them away, that means I really can't can't go to mom and dad or my aunt and uncle or anybody and talk about this. And they start piling it up inside and they start stuffing it. I know that's what happened to me. And so I'm thankful, Eddie, James, that you brought this up, that we have that ability now to sit there and talk with kids, talk with adolescents, and even talk to, to parents and some of the grown-ups now, because just like Eddie was talking about, sometimes it's not until later in life that we actually have that ability to experience and to talk about what we experienced when we were younger, because nobody would believe us. Absolutely. James? Man, I'll tell you like this. I got a whole bunch of kids. (laughs) I'm not even going to lie, man. I got five kids of my own, counting two of hers. So I'm up to uh, seven total. But I know all my kids uh, from the day they were born, man, you know, until now. You know, uh, when kids tell you something, uh, if you have kids in your life or, you know, if it's grandkids, if it's your kids, if it's somebody else's kids that you hang out with a bunch, if kids tell you something that there's something going on, that they see somebody or, you know, they have an imaginary friend, you need to really pay attention to that because 
these kids could be telling the truth and you could be like sitting there going, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah, go play. No bullshit. Sit back and listen to those kids because I'm going to tell you something. Kids know things. Kids know, know more than what we know. And it's very important that you listen to these kids and you investigate what they're talking about. Because, you know, if they say, hey, there's somebody in that closet, you take that shit serious. If you open that door and there's nobody there, there's somebody there. You need to take that serious. And because kids see things, you know, same thing with animals. You know, I hate cats, but cats are really sensitive. Just like dogs. Dogs are stupid. Cats are sensitive. I hate cats. I love dogs. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not a cat guy. But when a cat sees something or a dog sees something, you need to take that serious and start looking that direction and start doing a little bit of investigation. You know, just don't blow it off. Don't blow it off. It's very serious when a kid or a dog or a cat or whatever. I don't know if ferrets see anything, but if a ferret sees something, it's probably bullshit because ferrets are malicious. <laughs> and they so, have terrible eyesight. <laughs> Uh, cats, dogs, and kids. Danielle, final comments. And they smell, they smell like piss. Yes. Um, I can only back up what everybody else said. You know, if a kid tells you something that they've seen something, they've heard something, absolutely don't take it lightly. Figure it out. You know, let them know that it's okay and it can't hurt them even though it feels scary and it feels like it might hurt them just absolutely reinforce that it can't hurt them and that you know those things could be real but explain it to them in a kid-friendly way and eddie just the thought um maybe for another show out of body experiences because i've had quite a few oh definitely that's always a great topic to have and uh i'm sure that's one that rick would love to jump in as well you know on that topic you bet but uh yeah definitely and i you appreciate bet. you guys on the show uh thank you so much for showing up thank you everybody out in the audience for listening and, and stopping by and adding to the comments and, and to the stories as well we appreciate all of you we love you guys and we enjoy telling these stories a lot and uh enjoy giving you uh feedback from our personal perspective of everything that goes bump in the night and like everybody says do pay attention to the children if they do say something I tend to believe kids more than adults because they haven't been able mm -hmm. to be Absolutely. tainted. They haven't been tainted by life. And so their perspective of what's taking place is probably mm -hmm. going to be the purest. So remember that if a kid talks to you or tells you something, Said taint. Yeah. take them seriously. Well, that's it for tonight, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us on Paranormal Analytical. We really appreciate it. Once again, like I said, we love you guys. It's been great. Another hour gone quickly, sometimes too quickly. And uh, we will see you guys again next Saturday, same time, same place. And remember, tomorrow night is Political Analytical. And we've got a lot to talk about on that one as well, too. And the week oh, after boy. that, don't forget, mm -hmm. yes, sir. women of Political Analytical, the girls, the other halves of some of us here, uh, some of our audience, Deborah Fawcett in the audience right now, she's going to be on as well. It's going to be a great show, everybody. Danielle. So we're looking forward to it. And as also Lisa Franks, who's in the office. So y'all. Uh, get ready. So y'all take care. We love you. Thanks for having be me. Be safe. And we'll see you again next week. Good night. <laughs>